hey, Boogie, stop being a homo. Come back. <laughs> Enough. There's literally no reason you can't hang out on the internet. There you go. It's the easiest thing in the world. So stop being a bitch. I didn't get you up to a thousand for you to just go, I'm going to stop. Stop being a baby. Yeah, we got some reports of a lone man dancing in the town square. Boogieing, I hear. You please send back up. Sometimes this world can get us down. And there's just one thing you can do. You gotta get back up and shake it all around. No one's gonna tell me how I'm gonna boogie. Come on, everybody boogie bumper tonight. If we're going down, we're going down with the boogie. Come on, boogie bumper, everybody go boogie bumper tonight. If we're going down, let's go down with the boogie. Come on, boogie bumper, everybody go boogie bumper tonight. Right. The same night we're always live, always have been, always will be. It's always been that way, as you know, because you've been here every Saturday night over and over. You know, some people along the way are going to try and say things like, they're bugs, you're normally on a Friday night. Don't listen to them, they're lying to you. I am the only one who can give you truth. We're always here every single Saturday. Thank you for joining us, ladies and gentlemen. Mershwave in the chat. Thank you for joining us, sir. Hope everything's doing well. Been a long time, been a while. Yes, we have recently reproduced. Congratulations to me. I am now a father and I am better than the rest of you, obviously. My opinions carry more clout than they used to because I am a father, purely because of that reason. 
well, I mean, six months ago, who cares what this nearly 40-year-old white guy thinks? But I can tell you today, as a father, let me tell you something, as a father, things are going well. But like I said, she's just really a potato for the moment. We're waiting for the human qualities to present themselves. Just a lot of pooping and crying and not much else. Just a drain on the economy, really. So she really needs to kick her little ass into gear and start contributing to this thing. How the fuck are you? It's good to see you. Like I said, it's been a while. Saturday night. Sunday for me. Casual Sunday. Very casual Sunday. Bought myself a rum and coke. It is 5 to 11 in the morning. So Sunday's looking really good. That's right. I've got fatherly clout. And like we touched on a little bit last week, now as a father. You know, as a father. You have to start being concerned with the future of the planet, the future of mankind. In a more than shallow way than what I've done previously, like, you know, not really caring. Now I have to at least feign interest in the end of the world because it's not about me anymore, is it? It's about the little bumper baby. And what what kind of world is she going to inherit? What kind of world will she be living in 20, 30, 40 years from now? If she's lucky enough to make it that far, I don't think she will, personally. I think it's all going to be wrapped up long before then. Long before then. I hope only to live long enough to see her kicked off her high school sports team in place of a trans athlete, who I will support 100%, because I hate women's sports. So I won't be attending, unless there are trans athletes. So you've got to be careful about where the world's going to end up. As a father, your opinions carry more weight than they ever did before. So I've found myself reaching out to some familiar sources to, you know, I want to be told the correct way to think about things. All this time I've been doing things a certain way and it hasn't really worked out well for me. Uh, I find myself, you know, on the outside of arguments, not invited to the table, not allowed to participate, devoid of tolerance. So I want to change that. I want to attack the problems of the world in a new way and I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that I have the correct mindset to bring up a child in the next 20 years where of course the world is going to be pretty much fucking ruined by the time they get there so kicking us off tonight ladies and gentlemen our old friends at the huffington post i thought you might enjoy this we're all pro science here right we love science what are you some kind of science denier not here bub not here jack slavery fueled our climate crisis where we're going with this. Here's how reparations can slow it down. Yes, reparations for climate change. <laughs> addressing the addressing all the damage is going to take more than money. It's going to take new laws. I love new laws. One of my favorite things. How can we write more new laws to correct this? Will there be criminal sanctions? You bet your sweet ass there will. God willing, it's going to take new laws and a deeper understanding 
of how our climate crisis came to fruition. That's right, racism. I'm not, I've, I've got no doubt it's caused by racism. Growing up, I heard the phrase 40 acres and a mule from all the adults in my life, usually in the context of an unkept promise. We're still waiting for our 40 acres, they'd say, referring to yet another violation of our rights sprayed across the news. When I was old enough to grasp the concept, my parents explained that after the Civil War, our ancestors were promised 40 acres of land and a mule as a, quote, apology for forced servitude. Not a bad deal. I mean, if I remain in my current position for the next 10 years, I will get two weeks vacation. I mean, you know. 40 acres and a mule is worth a hell of a lot more than two weeks vacation. So let's try to keep things realistic here. My parents explained that after the Civil War, our ancestors were promised 40 acres of land and a mule as an apology for forced servitude. <laughs> Growing up in Brooklyn... Now, I kind of want... Now, imagine if we had to hand over 40 acres in Brooklyn. <laughs> Can I have the 40 acres stacked one acre on top of the other, perhaps? 40 acres in Brooklyn shouldn't be too hard to come by. There's plenty of mules already. The acres might be the problem. It was obvious that neither I nor any of my community members were descendants of people who had received such an apology. Who, who is this community, by the way? God, I hate that word. I really, really fucking hate it. There is no community, okay? There are no communities. There is no community. Community is a word people use to imagine themselves as a part of something. But as we all know, every community is prone to collapse, split. There is no community. Whenever you see somebody coming out and say, look, on behalf of the community, they're only speaking for themselves. It took some time before I fully understood that there's a nuanced relationship between climate change colonialism, enslavement and reparation. Isn't it? What a coincidence. They're all just linked like that. It took me a while to figure it out, but they are indeed all part of the same problem. Really? You're a genius, sir. It took some time before I fully understood that there's a nuanced relationship between climate change, colonialism, enslavement, and reparation. I mean, they weren't bringing them over on steamships, were they? These ships were under wind power. Enslavement and reparations that affect all of us profoundly today. Steam would have been too expensive, and we all know the people running the ships are, you know, historically, famously very careful with money. When we discuss the reasons for accelerating global warming, our conversations often focus on the corporate waste littering waterways. No, no, see, now that would be pollution. Now we want to do nuance, don't we? We want to do nuance. And as much as I detest, you know, garbage at the beach and everything like that, or in rivers, just like everybody else does, that is not climate change. You understand. That is not the same thing. Nuance, my friend. Nuance. 
When we discuss the reasons for accelerating global warming, our conversations often focus on the corporate waste littering waterways or emissions pumped into the ozone from factories. Nuanced sciencing here from our friends at the Huffington Post. While these present-day practices contribute substantially to rising temperatures, it's explain to me how garbage in a river makes the earth hotter. I don't like it as either. I don't like it just as much as you don't like it. While these present-day practices contribute substantially to rising temperatures and more destructive and more frequent natural disasters, we're just making it up. Colonialism and chattel slavery also pay a, play a huge part. And even beginning to address this damage is going to take more than money. It's going to take new laws and a deeper understanding of how all this damage came to fruition. Let's go on a little walk through history, shall we? Lou Ferrigno in the chat. Good to see you. Winning TV. Evil Ian. Look at these names. How the fuck are you? Where have you been every other Saturday night when we've been doing the show? As one 2019 BBC article explains, quote, enslaved one, we found one article from 2019. That's our source here. Science. Sciencing, ladies and gentlemen. Newsing by the Huffington Post on the topic of sciencing from the BBC. Not actual science, not actual news, but newsing and sciencing. Enslaved people were brought to North America to work on the cotton, sugar and tobacco plantations. The crops they grew were sent to Europe or to the northern colonies to be turned into finished products. Those finished goods were used to fund trips to Africa to obtain more slaves who were then trafficked back to America. During slavery in North America, it is believed that 40% of New York's cotton revenue was earned by shipping companies, insurance companies, and financial institutions through this very process. Well, I guess they should be paying the fucking reparations then, shouldn't they? Are we not living in the age of all these corporations having a social fucking conscience? Why aren't they throwing their hands up, volunteering? No, 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 don't worry, taxpayer. We got this. All the major shipping lines, all the major financial houses, I want them all lining up to show me how much they care about racism. Don't you? No, 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 no. No, no, no. No, no, the government is going to make you pay for it. Oh, okay. Well, that's fair, isn't it? They are throwing their hands up, by the way, and saying, yeah, that was us. We did it. Sorry. Sorry, everyone. We just really liked money. And we still do, which is why we're not going to pay any of the reparations. This wealth, in turn, was used to facilitate the pillaging of land stolen from its stewards, Indigenous people. So in many ways, slavery allowed for unbridled greed and a rapid rise in industrialization. Can we please blame capitalism at some point? We're teasingly close to it. We're grazing the scrotum of just calling it, well, it's, I guess, blame capitalism yet again. (laughs) It's capitalism's fault. This wealth in turn was used to facilitate the pillaging of land stolen from its stewards, the indigenous people. So in many ways, slavery allowed for unbridled greed and a rapid rise in industrialization that exploited people of color while kicking global warming into overdrive. (laughs) (laughs) Unbridled capitalism. (laughs) 
I've always found it funny that we're not allowed to point to things like, say, in the 1950s and go, you know what? I think we had it better then. I think things were better back then. You'll get you'll get a shocked and disbelieved, um, you know, facial coming back at you the other way. If you say something like, "Well, you know, in the 1950s, uh, the wife would stay home. You could have, you could have three or four kids, right? You could pay for two cars, pay off the mortgage on a pretty meagre blue collar wage. Just the guy, you know, you could do that." But now these days, you know, both parents have to work. You have to go to childcare. You can't afford to rent. You can't afford to buy a house. They're too expensive. Blah, blah, blah. But people will look at you and go, oh, I guess you just want to beat your wife then, you fucking dinosaur. Right. They want to take us back to the 1950s. They're dinosaurs. Ancient. And you're like, okay, fair enough. So we're only looking forward then. Yep, that's right, bigot. Only looking forward from now on. That's why it's called progress. Okay, gotcha. I'm down with it. All right, so in terms of progress, how are we going to progressively deal with climate change? Well, first of all, we need to acknowledge that it was caused by slavery. That took place, you know, hundreds of years ago. Right. Look, I'm not even... I don't... I, if if the left didn't exist, we would have to invent them. You know what I mean? So you can't really live without them. You do need some kind of balance. And look, I'm a very open-minded person. You could almost convince me of anything. Honestly. But when your argument is, don't look to the 1950s, that was evil. World history basically started in the 1960s with the hippies and the flower children. Anything before that was archaic and dinosaur-like and Eurocentric culturally, so it must be admonished from history, except for slavery, which has now caused uh, climate change. I mean, if you could just package your, your platform a little bit better, I could get on board. But this is silly. You are silly. This is, this is not a serious person who's writing here. <laughs> this is newsing from our friends at the Huffington Post. Fast forward to today, so we're skipping a few steps, right? We've gone from we've we've gone from the slave trade cotton pickers straight to today. We're skipping over everything else that happened in between because we believe in nuance and science. Fast forward to today, the economy that thrived as a result of this system is still operating at the expense of the environment and the lives of people deemed less than human. How many less than humans do you have working at your workplace? Do you try do you try to include them in office activities? Shame on you. I hope your company has a diversity policy where the less than humans are allowed to participate in lunch games and raffles, raffle tickets. That quote again, the economy that thrived as a result of this system is still operating at the expense of the environment and the lives of people deemed less than human. Again, I don't... More human than human. How many less than humans do you know? And so, reparations should be thought of not just as a repayment for historical wrongdoings, but as a way to fight for a sustainable future. <laughs> We we want you to pay reparations to they have now we have now progressed completely into the Marvel universe. We're now part of it. 
If you pay reparations, you will save the fucking earth. How about that, Reach? This bitch has got more reach than Lennox Lewis. How about that? Pay us reparations or climate change will destroy the earth. I fucking I'm almost I'm almost willing to write a check. The audacity. If you have audacity, I'll always be on your side, honestly. Because I, I feel like, wow, what balls. You really, you've really earned this. Here, have a tenner on me. Put, the, put that on the reparations pile. Happy to contribute. Most of our understanding of reparations comes from the plan to redistribute around 400,000 acres of seized Confederate land to formerly enslaved black people. This plan is commonly known as the 40 acres and a mule approach or the Sherman Field Order number 15. Sounds like a tank. Named for Union General William Sherman, who issued the order. It was initially devised by a group of black ministers in Savannah, Georgia, and was set to take place on the seized southern coastal land stretching from South Carolina to Florida. For the first time, there was a plan that could decrease the power held by the Confederacy while addressing the desires of formerly enslaved people to own land and establish their own sovereign state. Really should have just let them have their own homeland. That's all I'm saying, you know. The United States didn't have to be that united. You could have had like a little kind of, you know, carve off, cleave off a corner for the the former slaves and let them have their own homeland. What would have been the problem? You could have built a nice big wall around it. Could have been in California or, you know, because they get on well with the Mexicans, obviously. As historian Lisa Betty puts it, Justice is about way more than just a check. It's about reimagining the world. Here we go. This is the this is the stuff that gets me out of bed in the morning. This is the shit that I do this podcast for. This is the stuff that really gets me fucking going. Gets me percolating in the nether regions. As as histor as his, I'm, I'm beside myself. I'm giddy. As historian Lisa in anticipation. As historian Lisa Betty puts it, justice is about way more than just a check. It's about reimagining the world as a place where degradation and land theft are no longer normalised. <laughs> oh, okay. So let me. So let me get this straight. Your plan involves unwinding a couple of thousand years of rule by conquest. Couple of thousand, uh, more, eight thousand years of rule by conquest precedence. Your, your play. All we have to do is just imagine that that never happened. God, I envy them. I envy them because everything's so easy, right? Everything is just a really easy fix. No, no, all we have to do is reimagine world history and then there won't be a problem. Oh, okay. Well, that should be simple enough. People never argue about history. They'll just believe what we tell them to believe. Why? Because it's good for black people. That's why. And climate change, believe it or not. How the fuck they managed to tack that onto the bill, I'll have no idea. Talk about pork fucking barrels, huh? We want reparations because we were slaves and kings and shit. Okay. Also, we want to save the earth. Well, I mean, I'm not sure we have the budget for that. 
Betty is a leading reparations advocate. Well, who fucking, who would have known? Who's been vocal about how reparations are not just an act of social justice, but of climate justice. <laughs> These people are still... It's very silly individuals. In a, recent, in a recent article for the Ethical Style Journal, she examines the ways in which white supremacy, my favourite topics, colonialism and enslavement of black people, not only affected the wealth of black and indigenous people in this country, but laid a foundation for the current climate crisis. There you go. <sighs> climate change was caused by slavery, therefore reparations will fix the weather. Somehow. 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 Unless, unless I, I personally can't see it unless everybody who receives a reparations check uses that money to go out and buy a wind turbine or something. I don't know how this works. Are they going to use that money to plant fucking trees, maybe? Because let me tell you, all the LCD plasmas and shit that are going to get put, the PlayStation 5s, they're not helping anything. Love it. But again... I will voluntarily, I would write a check, a $10, no no more than $10. I feel that's fair. A $10 check to your reparations fund purely for suggesting that if we pay reparations, it will solve the fucking climate problem. I mean, well done. Bravo. All right. Protests are going well. This is happening currently in the UK. We're going to do a little wrap of the UK because... I'm not sure if you guys have been following the news in the UK or if you even care about what's going on in the UK. Trust me, you don't have to care about what's going on in the UK, but you should follow it because it is an absolute fucking shit show over there right now. Wow. So they've kicked out Boris Bojo, Boris Johnson. He's gone. Fuck him off. We don't want him anymore. And they've brought in this chick, a Sheila named Liz Truss. Now, when Liz Truss came, now she's been in the job for about a month or thereabouts, all right? It is hectic what's going on over there. The so-called conservative government, right? So Liz Truss gets in and she goes, okay, you know what? Here's here's what we're going to do, loves, all right? I've got a wonderful plan. It's going to be amazing. Now, all all you've got to do, I'm not sure she talks like that, probably more educated, but fuck her will make her a cockney for the purpose of this little segment. So all she got to do is we got to reduce the taxes for anybody paying over 40p out of a pound, right? And then we're going to sla- we're going to borrow money to pay for the tax cuts. And everyone was like, "Wait, what? What? Wait. You so you're going to go further into debt, borrow money to fund cutting taxes, okay? Now, look, I'm all for cutting taxes, right? I'm a libertarian. I don't think we should be paying $1 more in tax than we absolutely have to. I would I would never consider borrowing money, which is kind of Keynesian, right? Keynesian economics is you just keep borrowing and borrowing and borrow yourself out of debt, right? I've never seen the two kind of mix like that before. We're going to borrow money to pay off the tax cut. Wait a minute, what? That, so that's so that sounds worse, a lot worse. So she announced we're going to borrow money to pay off the tax cut. Then within a couple of weeks, she's done a complete U-turn because the media have been up her ass as far as you can get, so much that she can lick the sweat off Brian Stelter's, you know, the UK equivalent of Brian Stelter's bald head by flicking a tongue in the back of her throat. You know, they are that far up her clacker. 
So she's decided to do a U-turn two weeks later. Oh, guess what? I guess we're not going to do that anymore. So sorry about that. She fired the treasurer, the money guy, <laughs> sacked him. It is an absolute fucking shit show. So she's probably going to lose her job very, very soon. And like I said, she's only had it for a month. That's, that's a little snippet of what's happening currently in the UK. You should really have a look because, like I said, it's a horror movie. <laughs> How about the state of conservatism in 2022 politically? Hey? Things are going well, aren't they, for the right? Fuck me. Now, you did... Now, you did have the, um, you know, the, the obviously the extremist and the right-wing fascist uh, win in Italy, the woman, okay? So the right do have that on their side, but how about everything? Everything else that's happened in 2016 has basically now been reversed, eviscerated, and they're back to business as usual, which if you were listening to this podcast back then, I said that's always going to be the problem because Trump isn't the end, is he? He can't be. It can't just all be about Trump. If it's all about Trump, then when they take him out, and they will, because they always do, take their take their enemy out. They don't. They have a two hundred and O record. They've never lost. The establishment is two hundred and O. They always get their man. They always take down their target. So it was always. It always had to be more than just Trump and Trump stuff and what Trump did. He might, he could have been, you know, the trigger that started things, but he couldn't be at the finish line. He couldn't be holding the torch at the end because then it would all be over. So if you look at everything that happened in, you know, let's say 2015, 2016, conservative government in Australia, gone, gone. Conservative government in Australia that started building fucking, you know, started building camps for people during COVID when they come back to the country to isolate them. Conservative government that passed new metadata laws that basically made it legal for the government to pry into whatever they want from you online. No problem. No, no, it's all good. It's all sweet. So-called conservative government. So they're out. The UK. The UK is a little bit different because the conservatives have been in for you know, what, 10 years, 12 years, something ridiculous. Um, but, you know, they get, they're getting absolutely eviscerated. The big win by Boris Johnson, that's all wrapped up now. That's rolled up. He's, he's quit. He's, he's on the golf course. He couldn't care less. Do you know what Nigel Farage does these days? He goes on tours and gets paid, um, you know, healthy sums of money to give speeches about why other people should run for government. He's not running. <laughs> He just wants you to instead. But he's on the golf course with Boris. Right? Where's Trump down at Mar-a-Lago putting his feet up? Fucking his wife, you know? Eating quarter pounders for breakfast. Everything that everything that took place in those years has been reversed, wrapped up, because there was never a plan B. There was never there was never anything after that. There was no plan. Okay, so you've won. Now what? Um, I don't know. Right? The state of conservatism in 2022, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Hartler-Taley, Aussie conservatives are awkward. Well, you know, I don't even, I don't, to be fair, I don't even really know what an Aussie conservative is. I don't. I'm not sure there is. 
I'm not sure there is such a, a, a denomination of conservatism in this country. Because Australians, are, you know, I've said this before on the show, the best thing about the Australian mindset and the Australian culture is also its biggest uh, downfall, which is Australians really generally don't give a fuck about anything. So it's good in that it makes them very laid back people, easy to get along with, you know. Aussies are, you know, famously very like, yeah, all right, whatever, you know. <laughs> very laid back, very chill, very easy to get along with. But at the same time, that means that their, politici their politicians know this and that means that they can screw them six ways from Sunday and they'll never get any kind of blowback whatsoever. Everyone will go, ah, well, what are you going to do? <laughs> you know. The she'll be right, mate, attitude. It's our greatest strength and our biggest weakness, all in one. So anyway... This is what's currently happening in the UK. Let's have a look. It is responsible for more greenhouse gas I mean, okay, so a couple of things. First off, we do need to make special mention of the young lad here. On the right-hand side of the screen, listen, here he is, holding up the sign, plant-based future, which I like. Well done. He's not pouring anything out, so I don't have a problem with him whatsoever. The second thing that came to mind when I've, I've watched this clip was, okay, aren't most people working low-paid, minimum-wage, casual jobs at the supermarket fucking immigrants? Mostly. They're, they're, you know, they're not mostly immigrants, but there would be a lot of immigrants. Why? Because you don't need any particular qualifications or you don't need a fucking diploma to stack shelves, right? And I've worked in supermarkets, okay? So this is not coming from some kind of elitist standpoint or anything like that. I've worked retail and it's a shitty fucking job too. It is a shitty fucking job having to serve customers all fucking day. Trust me. So, you know... If I walked into a supermarket and I saw this kind of shit taking place, my first thought isn't like, oh, what an idiot or what are these people doing or fucking... My first thought is some poor cunt has to come and mop that up. Some poor cunt who's getting paid six bucks an hour to do it. Why? So you can so you can live your own Marvel, in your own Marvel universe and imagine that you're saving the fucking world. That's why. For that privilege... That's what sickens me. Because retail is a shitty job before you got there. And all you've done, you've not saved anyone or anything. You've just ensured that it's an even shittier job once you leave. Good stuff. So we're pouring milk out on the floor because climate change. <laughs> She's saying something, I can't make it out. This is a protest and a campaign. A campaign all of the milk is causing climate change. It's I. It's the fucking climate, isn't it? Isn't it? It's the fucking climate, mate. Isn't it? We gotta pour out all the milk because of the fucking climate change, mate. Isn't it? You having a laugh, mate?
I mean, this. Look, I'm not a fascist. Okay, I'm not. I'm not. But this, this is what empowerment looks like. This is what it really looks like. At what point did these snotty-nosed little little pricks, these entitled little sponges, where did they? Where does this confidence come from? This is what empowerment looks like. No, no, I have a right to do this. And I'm not a fascist, I'm not. But, man, they do have a point, the fascists. When they say, look, like, like, okay, how about this? If you got all the ideologies like a trade show and each of them had their own little desk and, you know, a little sampler for you to try on, for you to chew on, and then at the end of the day, you sign up for one of the ideologies, okay? So you get to sample a little bit of everything that they've got, you know? And you'll, you'll go over to, like, the far left and they go, well, okay, well, here's a little sample. Uh, first of all, what we're going to do is encourage, you know, gender expression. And you go, oh, okay, well, what else do you have? Oh, we've got regulating speech on the internet and whatnot. Oh, okay, I'm not sure if I'm into that, but thank you very much. You move on to the next one. You go to the moderate left and the moderate right. And then you get to the fascists, right? Now, at this at this ideological trade show, the fascists go, look, I know that you've been to every other tent because it's left to right and we're the last ones here. But before you walk away, before you make the, any assumptions, let me tell you a little bit about our operation here. Now, have you seen the clip of the vegans emptying the milk in the supermarket? And you say, yes, of course, it's gone viral. Everyone's looking at it. Look at the fucking idiots. And they go, yes, well... You know, under our system, a little sample, we would just crash tackle them and drag them out the back, never to be seen again. And you go, hmm. Yeah. You know. <laughs> we, we, we also have crushing oppression and tyranny. Yes, but you will take care of the vegans, though, won't you? You will take care, I mean, because, you know, milk prices these days, what a waste. I could almost be signed up to that. The fascists do have a point. Let's be fair. Okay. Yep. Am I, am I the only one who watched that clip praying for one of them to slip on the milk? Spinal injury or something? Again, I'm not vindictive. I don't want anyone to hurt themselves, but I do believe in kind of universal justice when it's there to be had. So in the act of saving the earth, if you slipped and, you know, ripped your Achilles tendon or something on the... <coughs> Pardon me. If you ripped your Achilles tendon while struggling out of the milk pile that you yourself have created, it'd be like, well, that's justice. That's fine. That's fair enough. I saw a story the other day. <laughs> Gypsy in the chat. I'm vindictive. <laughs> Just crack their skulls open with a baton and be done with it. <laughs> I'm vindictive. I want this. <laughs> Saw an article the other day where there was a guy hunting a buffalo. I know, like the 1800s. And uh, he took a couple of shots at this buffalo. Obviously, he must have been a good shot because he missed. And the buffalo, you know, ran over to his position and proceeded to stomp him into the ground and kill him. And, you know, I thought there was a lot of people celebrating this guy's death, which I wouldn't do because that's just shitty. But 
Um, I'm not celebrating the guy's death. I am celebrating the animal's victory. <laughs> like, you know, come on. Like, I would celebrate, you know, if if somebody uh, hunted some wild game and they hang the head up on the wall, I'd go, you know what? That's a pretty nice trophy. Well done. But same thing. If the bear wanted to decapitate this guy and put his head in the cave and hang it from the wall, I'd go, well, fair enough. Fair enough. I don't have anything against hunting, but I do, I am, I don't have anything against hunting, but I also don't have anything against the animal winning sometimes. Because I love an underdog story. Good for you, Buffalo. He'll be telling, that story will be passed down from generation to generation in the Buffalo world. Can't roll skate in the Buffalo herd. There you have it. Things are going mighty well over in the UK. Here's a quick little rundown for you. We touched on it earlier. In fewer than 40 days, Liz Truss has lost her Chancellor, her signature tax cuts, and all authority as British Prime Minister. (laughs) The next thing, the next thing to go will be more than likely her. It is a remarkable feat that shouldn't be forgotten that 12 of those days were, in fact, during a national mourning period for the Queen, when government all but ground to a halt. Her progression from chocolates to boiled lollies has been swift. And if Truss thought she could save her job by firing her close political ally and friend, so her friend was the money guy, right? When she got the job a month ago, she said, you know what, I'm going to put in someone I can trust. (laughs) Swear to God, this is how it went down. I'm going to put someone I can trust into the money role, into the treasurer role, right? The Chancellor of the Exchequer, I think it is, or whatever fucking ridiculous names those British people have. So I'm going to put my mate in as the treasurer and that will sure things up for me politically. Well, two weeks later, she fired, she sacked her mate. (laughs) Why? Because the media were having a crack at her. It's almost like Liz Truss didn't realise that because she is part of the Conservative Party. Liz, I'm not sure if you're aware of this. When you become Prime Minister, guess what? The media is going to attack you regardless of what you do. It's nine in the city. No matter what you do, they will attack you. Now, see, Trump, we he has positives and negatives. There are some good things and there are some bad things. That is one thing from him that I think was good. He knew that. He knew that. Now, he did still surf up kind of appeasement gruel and, you know, all of the oh, women and stuff, you know. He still did, um, what's the term I'm looking for? He still did a fair bit of virtue signaling stuff, right? I, I get that. To the voters, he did. But he did understand that regardless of what you do, the media is not going to like you. He incorrectly thought that he could change voters' minds too, but no, that's not going to be the case. No, no, Trump, some people will just hate you regardless of what you do, no matter what. And trying to appease them is a fool's errand. But the media side of it, he got. He understood. Doesn't matter what I say or what I do, they're going to try and fuck me anyway. Now, Liz, Liz Truss, I don't think she got that memo. I think she thought that, oh, look, I'm a, I'm a woman. I'm a woman. It's okay. They love women in politics, don't they? Yes, of course they do. They're going to be nice to me. Of course they're not. So, you know, standard operating fucking procedure. 
conservative government, new prime minister, let's put our foot on her throat. That's what they do. That's how they think, the media. And look, and the UK media has a special place in my heart. When I was over in the UK, man, one of my favourite things to do was to just go and grab the local paper and just sit down, sit down, have a coffee and read the local paper. Scotland, England and Ireland. All three of them, I would read a local paper every day because I'm like, I just want to see what the locals are talking about, you know? What do they do here? Don't you? When I go to a new place or a new country or a new city or something, I don't really care much for the touristy, cliched things. I really enjoy just kind of mingling, you know? I'll get the local paper, I'll see what people are talking about, I'll go down the bar, you know, I'll talk to fucking local blue-collar people. So what's going on? What do you do for fun around here? Kind of thing. I did that one night in London and I ended up, you know, getting home at four o'clock in the morning after going to nightclubs with Polish cleaners. <laughs> two, two, two Polish girls. <laughs> cleaners. We, we met some English guy. He said, oh, well, I'm, gonna, I'm about to hit up a nightclub and I'm going to bring my friend. She doesn't speak English. Oh, okay. So he grabbed the Polish girl who was a cleaner at some hotel and we all went out and danced and drank and had a great time. I didn't go to the fucking, you know, I didn't go to the Tower of London or anything. <laughs> Couldn't care less. <laughs> nah, I've seen it on YouTube, you know. But I got an idea of what, you know, people on the bottom floor what they think and how they feel about things and what life's like for them. That's what interests me, you know. Now, Liz Truss should have known that when she took the job that they're going to come after you no matter what. They're going to stick their hot little poker right up your back back passage and try to brand you from the inside out. She came up with this great bold plan. Oh, we're going to do this great fucking taxation we're gonna borrow money to pay for the tax cuts (laughs) borrow money to pay for the tax cuts the media got out their red hot poker and stuck it up her back passage and now she's done a complete backflip a complete 180 sacked her friend who was the treasurer and is now reversing policy on everything that she committed to um i came across this and i thought this was in how long was i on that last screen for can someone tell me how long we were on this screen for? Jesus Christ. Sometimes I don't really pay enough attention to OBS. I should pay more attention. Potato. There's the potato. Patience, <laughs> right? That's a picture of my baby there. The potato. Well done. So I came across this the other day. And I thought this is probably the best five-minute breakdown you'll find. Um, of the current situation politically in the UK. It's from a radio station called Talk Sport. They stream as well, obviously. And uh, this particular show, White and Jordan. Now, the guy you're about to hear is Simon Jordan, who was a... I, look, he, he was the, an owner of some kind of phone company in the UK who then sold it for over $100 million or £80 million or whatever the fuck it was. Sold it for a lot of money. He then bought his favourite football club. This is years ago, sort of 20, 15, 10 years ago or something like that. He bought his favourite football club, Crystal Palace, and was their owner, I think, for about 10 years. And now he's a sports radio host, right? And this guy slays people regularly. He does not give a fuck. He's probably the best thing on the UK sports radio scene at, at any level, this Simon Jordan cat. 
are they as good as the starting block? Well, their whole thing is they argue all the time. So the guy on screen here, this is uh, Jim White. He's a Scottish, he's a kind of stereotypical Scottish lefty. There's a, a lot of Scottish people are lefties, right? They love their socialism. Scotland is a little welfare state that latches onto um, England's arse and kind of sucks its blood. And I've got nothing against Scot. I like Scotland and I like Scottish people. But without the UK, Scotland would go tits up broke because it's a welfare state, basically. You know, the UK makes money out of harvesting some of its raw materials and stuff. Fair enough. But they also pay an exorbitant amount on welfare, far more than any other part of the UK. Yeah. So it's quite common for, you know, for there to be like a little kind of just just an essence of little socialist streak in Scottish people. By football, he means soccer, correct. Football because you don't use your hands, you use your feet. I mean, logically. Right? How can you how can you call it football if you use your hands? It should be called handball. <laughs> Soccer coming from the word football association or ASOC. Soccer. So Jim White is a Scottish kind of stereotypical left-leaning little socialist streak in him. And Simon Jordan is, um, you know, I think still a very wealthy man, but obviously a former football club owner who doesn't give a fuck. So he just summed up the current situation in the UK in five minutes better than anyone else has. Have a look. Pathetic. I mean, a government that's indulging in self-harm and implosion being run by the media, by all means, don't give up, don't reduce tax for the top end. That was nonsense. But corporation tax and things that will drive the economy, there's nothing wrong with that. And it's not about unpriced pay cuts. It's about the government being run by the media. And Liz Truss is a joke, tragically. The government's been run by the media. They are being but run by reaction to media, to social media, rather than having the culture. If you're going to go, go strong. You're supposed to be a leader. This is about leadership. This could apply to any right-wing government like we spoke about earlier. Look at the current state of right-wing governments around the world. All of the things that happened around, you know, circa 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, etc. have now all been unwound and wound back and it's business as usual. And, you know, when Trump won, China, I'm sure that, you know, the Chinese brain trust said to themselves, don't worry, he'll be out in four years and then we'll just go back to business. We'll go back to work kick in a little COVID just to make sure we get rid of him, position ourselves nicely financially, and then we'll just get back to what we were doing. We put They put a hold on their plans for four years. The establishment, all they did was, all it was was a fucking speed bump to them. And now they're just going back to business as fucking usual. So, I mean, it's, again, this is a sports radio show and it's plainly obvious to people even on a sports radio show, no, no, this conservative government is being run by the media and they're fucking spineless. And if they're going to go for a policy, if they're going to announce something, you have to you have to go for it. You have to commit. You have to commit. You can't put a policy out there and then two weeks later sack your best mate and, and, and reverse everything because the media said so. Because that's exactly what's happened in the UK. I mean, that was nonsense. But corporation tax and things that will drive the economy, there's nothing wrong with that. And it's not about unpriced pay cuts. It's about the government being run by the media. And Liz Truss is a joke, tragically. The and government's I, been run by the media. They the are media? run by a reaction to media, to social media, rather than having the culture. If you're going to go, go strong. 
You're supposed to be a leader. This is about leadership. How long will, how long will Liz? She didn't need the media to tell her to do that. No, but she's reacting to circumstances and she's not reacting to the, the reality of, okay, you need to change your mind. She's, you know, you've made decisions. If you're going to make these decisions, rather than make decisions based upon party donors that are going to give you fighting funds to win elections, yep. Yep. make decisions in the first place that are beneficial to the country. Oh, what a, what a, what a, what a, what a shocking idea. What a revolutionary idea. Hey, I don't know. Maybe we'll be more popular if we do things that people want. Oh. <laughs> I think I've just had a revelation. Maybe we'll do something that people want. You know, average people. They are supposed to be the ones voting, after all. Who knew? <laughs> and if you def- then make those decisions, stick with them. And own them and drive them forward. Not over four weeks of consistent media pressure about what, when, how and why. It's laughable. Uh, you know, you, you move into the territory, you almost want to say, I tell you what, something I've never thought I'd hear myself say, call a general election because you don't deserve to be in power anymore. Well, how, long it, she, how long will she last then? Well, <laughs> now see, there's a couple of things to analyse here. Now, obviously, you can tell that there's a sympathy for the Conservative government from Jordan because he's... Obviously, he said, now, this is something I never thought that I'd say, you know, call a general election because you don't deserve to be in government anymore. Now, look at the guy in the middle, which is Jim White, who, again, is the stereotypical Scottish with a socialist streak. Look, he can, he can barely contain his excitement. Look at that. Look at that. And that's, and that's the reaction. That's the whole point of wedge politics, right? Because ideally, and the left is very good at this. Get conservatives fighting with each other. Don't get them to fight us. Don't unite them against us. So they're always trying to... There's there's constant contradictory messaging, right? Which means that they can constantly say things like, well, that's not all socialists. That's not real socialism. That's not what we really think. That's not all progressives. Bro, you're cherry picking, bro. You know? That's not what we think at all. Where have you heard that? Probably your right-wing conspiracy sites, right? So they're very good at deflecting, deflecting, deflecting. Ah, well, you're just cherry-picking. But then on the flip side, what they do is they make sure that you're fighting against your own. They make sure they find an issue that they can wedge you on and they get you fighting against each other. And all that happen all that happens is they sit back and they smile. They're very good at this. They sit back and they smile with a big shit-eating grin and they go, "Okay, tell me how much you hate the conservatives then. <laughs> tell me about it." <laughs> right? Cuz it only just because their their voting base never change. They don't ever vote for anyone else. They they are committed, rusted on, loyal you know, followers, sheep. They will just vote left no matter who. Remember, vote blue no matter who. It's literally a fucking slogan. Vote blue no matter who. They don't care. They know you care, though. And you will not vote for somebody you don't like. I didn't vote conservative in this last Australian election. And when they got kicked out of office, I said, yeah, that'll happen. That'll fucking happen. You had it coming. You did a shitty job. (laughs) That would never happen on the other side. They'd go, oh no, the fascists are in again. There was a great, there was a great tweet 
I saw the other day and I retweeted it. I don't know who the person was. They must be somebody, I don't know, who tweets about libertarian things. And they said, libertarians need to stop with all the infighting and focus on the real enemy, libertarians. (laughs) (laughs) Enough with this infighting. (laughs) And I thought, yep, that's about right. That's about accurate. It's difficult to say why she's not going to continue to last because you're in a situation where how do That's you take her step. out? How do you t- how do you take her out? Now, how do the you take her out? Her, for a variety of reasons, and some can be controversial, some can be uncontroversial, and you've now got a situation where she's got two years to stabilise the country, build a momentum, or, and to give herself an opportunity to put the Tories... They've been in power for too long now. I mean, I've I voted Tory and I've voted Labour, but everything comes to an end, and this government are all over the place. There's no leadership there's no courage, there's no backbone, there's no thinking, there's no in touch with the reality of what people need. Yep. They're away with themselves. They're away a lot with of themselves. career politicians that haven't had enough real-world experience in the last 15 years to understand what's really needed. And all they're doing is operating in a self-serving, self-perpetuating nonsense mode that helps nobody. It's fire. That's fire on a sports show. <laughs> on a show where they're only talking about soccer slash football 90% of the time. Well, he's a good player. He's not a good player. He's a good manager. He's not a good manager. Should he get the arse? Should he get a job? You know, that's usually what they talk about. That's absolute fire. I mean, if the media pushed her to call a general election then, and she calls one, you would come out and say... Oh, that was the media pushing her. In other words, you'd be you'd be defeating your own argument. You've got to lead. You've got to lead. You haven't got to. You've, you've got to it's lead. To do with the media? No, it, it is to do with pressure, and it's to do with your. Now, see, that's nothing pisses me off more than it's got. It's got nothing to do with the media. That line that lefties roll out, that they trot out, nothing fucking annoys me more, because, ladies and gentlemen. They they use the media to buttress their own positions constantly. Well, look at all the reporting about right-wing extremists. Look, I've got this link from NBC. I've got this link from CNN. I've got this link from the Washington Post. I've got this link from the New York Times. Look, they're all talking about what racists you are. And then you say something like, well, the the conservative government really shouldn't buckle to media pressure. And they go, it's got nothing to do with the media. Because they're naturally, they don't, they don't even see how disingenuous they are. But they're just naturally disingenuous. Look at all the media reporting on this current shitty government. Well, the government should really ignore the media. The media doesn't have any effect. <laughs> right? They can't help themselves. A response to it. Live with the pressure, and that's and, and I agree. And with he's that. not if you wrong leaders, either. The challenge is, is the media, like they used to want to do, used to want to pick the England manager of a football team, and then pick the team. Now they want to. Now they believe the Beth Rigbys and the Kay Burleys and ghastly people like that believe they can create <laughs> this amount of pressure on the government that they're so weak that they'll fall over backwards. Now, of course, you're absolutely right, but the media, whether you like it or not, and sometimes I don't. Is so influenced. It's such a big influence that you've got to be a really strong so, leader. You need edu- a robust media. They they need a Simon, robust can you educate media. us then on this? So the Constitution can they now overthrow her as the leader? No, not really. No, they can't do no. that. They can't them. have a leadership challenge because they've just had one. <laughs> yes, just but a leader. So they can't. By te- they can't move another leader out for another twelve months. Are you technically, sure? No, technically can't. They, the 22 committee can bring forward a motion to change God. the position of it all. But bottom line is, we've got what we've got. But it's preposterous. It's so weak, and at a time when you need strength, it's so disappointing. You must really regret falling over yourself to speak to Jacob recently. There you go. Anyway, that's... I thought that's about as good as it gets. 
Well, hang on. We'll let we'll let it play out because I did say five. I'll be other day when he was in there. I didn't fall over myself to meet. Now, Jacob Rees Mogg. If you don't know who Jacob Rees Mogg is, let me. I didn't mean to go on this tangent, but let me show you something that you'll appreciate. This is this guy is probably my favourite UK politician because he has a very he has a very good way with words and anybody who has a strong command of the English language I'm instantly a fan of um because he says the darndest things let's have a look here and this amendment says what we Eurosceptics have been saying all along, that the European Union produces its laws in a form of gogledygook, of stentorian, <laughs> sesquipedalian sentences that nobody can ever understand. Okay, get next. There is something about people who have like that dry, very dry wit. Which again, it's probably my favourite form of humour is wordplay and dry wit. It's that's the stuff that always gets me laughing the hardest. Now this guy's a fucking politician. He's not a comedian or anything, but it's just it's it's the delivery and everything. So he's accusing the EU of writing laws in nonsensical kind of bureaucratic management speak, and he proceeds to, you know. <laughs> He proceeds to, uh, you know, display this point by doing it himself, which is just fucking brilliant. And this amendment says what we Eurosceptics have been saying all along, <laughs> that the European Union produces its laws in a form of gogledygook, of stentorian, sesquipedalian sentences that nobody can ever understand, and therefore when it's brought into British law, it should be brought into British law in a form that requires a plain English translation. I like reading in the newspapers that I've suddenly become a soft touch. Frankly, it's true in so many ways. I do whatever my children tell me. That is my... And they're all staunch Eurosceptics, but... Um... <laughs> I do whatever my children tell me, and they all want Brexit. <laughs> He's good. He's good. Like, that... When I think of, like, the definition, like, the, the dictionary definition of British... British chap, you know, I think of Jacob Rees-Mogg. But this session has hardly begun. It is in its infancy. It is like Sixtus, my newborn son. It is still, it is still in the mewling and puking stage. It has not reached the stage of toddling and walking and taking bold steps. And I'm afraid to say, that this, of course I give way to the honourable gentleman. Does he not agree when you raise a child, one must try and instruct that child on good behaviour from the very beginning and oh, not let God. it misbehave early on? And so there. Ah, the Liberals. <laughs> <laughs> now, Mr. White Suit here, you can bet your bottom dollar is as far left, so far left that the fucking double decker red buses don't go there. You know what I mean? There is no timetable for where he sits on the spectrum. <laughs> it doesn't exist. He's right out there. You can just tell already. Look, we've got bold frame glasses, we've got the white suit, we've got the obvious gay infliction. Obvious. My gaydar is spectacular, trust me. 
does he not agree that we should be raising our children? This is where you get this is where you get the idea that well we need to have books like anti-racist baby out there to teach the kids as early as possible what it means to be a good social you know global citizen. That's literally where they come from. That's the position they hold. Harla Taylor in the chat. Uh, drag queen strip show. Don't worry. I've got a video coming up and maybe we'll do it next. Drag kings, my man. Drag kings. We're now entering. This is indeed a disturbing universe. We're through the looking glass, people. We are now going to be celebrating drag kings tonight on the show. Folks. Folks. Folksy, folksy, folks. So don't worry. We'll get to that. So there you have the tolerant liberals. This is why we need to educate people as young as possible to have the correct opinions. They're not authoritarian at all. King stage, it has not reached the stage of toddling and walking and taking bold steps. And I'm afraid to say that this... Of course I give way, the honourable gentleman. Does he not agree when you raise a child, one must try and instruct that child on good behaviour from the very beginning and not let it misbehave mm. early on. And so therefore our role is surely to make sure the government does not misbehave early on. Okay. The bull gentleman is a harsher authoritarian than I am. <laughs> <laughs> The honourable gentleman is a harsher authoritarian than even I am. <laughs> you see what I mean? Doesn't get angry, doesn't go, you're the real racist. You know? Doesn't lose his cool, just plays it, plays it right back with a straight, as we would say in a, a cricket playing country, played it with a straight bat. Right back at the bowler. <laughs> you know? The guy threw a pitch and you smacked it right back at him and hit him in the fucking forehead. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Well, it seems the honourable gentleman is even more of an authoritarian than I am. <laughs> Our role is surely to make sure the government does not misbehave early on. Honourable gentleman is a harsher authoritarian than I am. I think the strict <laughs> discipline of a child yet a fortnight old would be unreasonable by any standards. And I, I hope, well, I'm just glad I'm, I'm not an infant in his household. That's all I can say, Mr. Speaker. <coughs> So there you go. That's see that now. That's a talented politician right there, folks. Oh. If only we all had a Jacob Rees-Mogg, I think the world would be a better place. Such a strict, such a strict authoritarian for a child not even a fortnight old. And he has that talent where even the people who are against him can't help but be charmed. And that's really what we need. You know, those of us who, uh, you know, fall on the right. Again, I'm a libertarian, but by default, I seem to fall on the right now because that's where the rest of the spectrum is, if you know what I mean. So uh, we need more people who are, you know, linguistically skilled and can wield the polemical sword, so to speak. And even though he's, even though you're against him, you know, you can't help but laugh because he's so damn charming. So, one more time. <laughs> and I'm afraid, my newborns, staunch your sceptics, but. Um... 
this session has hardly begun. It is in its infancy. It is like Sixtus, my newborn son. It is still, it is still in the mewling and puking stage. It has not reached the stage of toddling and walking and taking bold steps. And I'm afraid to say that this... Of course I give way, the Honourable Gentleman. Does he not agree when you raise a child... One must try and instruct that child on good behaviour from the very beginning and not let it misbehave early on. And so, therefore, our role is surely to make sure the government does not misbehave early on. Noble gentleman is a harsher authoritarian than I am. I think the strict discipline of a child yet a fortnight old would be unreasonable by any standards. And I, I hope... Well, I'm just glad I'm, I'm not an infant in his household. That's <laughs> smooth. Smooth as fuck. All right, let's move on. We've spent enough time on this. Um, thank you for sticking around, by the way, on Saturday night. We're always here on a Saturday night, every single Saturday. I don't know, does Saturday work? Saturday's kind of... I've never... See, look, I've never been able to do anything on Saturday night your time before Sunday my time before because for the last, you know, six or seven years or however long I've been streaming, I've always worked Sunday nights. It was just part of my job and now it's not anymore. So now I have a little Sunday time. Maybe this works out better. Less people are streaming on Saturday. Nobody... Less people are watching streams too, obviously. <laughs> but it works better for me and maybe that's all that matters so fuck it might be Saturday from here on out like it's always been mind you like it's always been apologies to anyone who is streaming I don't know who's doing fucking what these days I don't see anything just living in three hour cycles scream poop sleep <laughs> scream poop sleep and that's just me not even the baby Right, let's have a look at this. The trendiness. I don't even know what this is. I haven't watched it yet. Libs of, tip to uh, libs of TikTok back from the death yet again. Let's talk about the trendiness of flat stomachs again. Okay. I think a really important question to ask is why do we view flat stomachs as attractive? Well, because it, uh, well, okay. Because your brain recognizes as a man, are you asking as a man or a woman? Who knows anymore? Why do men find flat stomachs attractive? Because it, it triggers their subconscious into believing that you're a fit person and therefore um, able to rear children. I think that's how it works, generally, isn't it? You know? Isn't that generally how it works? Now, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say that uh, women with flat stomachs are, you know, the best, the best fuck all the time. Because those fat girls, man, they treat every fuck like they're last. <laughs> <laughs> right? And they need love too. They need they do. They need love too. So a little bit of curvitude uh doesn't go astray. But flat stomachs I think are attractive because the male subconscious associates that with fitness and uh ability to, you know, be in peak physical condition, I think, in order to bear children. And I think that's generally what attraction is agreed to be scientifically based on. But I could be wrong. Hey, maybe it's all about fucking racism. Who knows? Hardly <laughs> Taylor in the chat. It's attractive because we think it's a boy. Because <laughs> we're all gay, really. That's Professor Grass, I can actually participate in chat if you were here on Saturdays, like always. Hey, Professor Grass, do you want to come? Do you want to come on the show? Do you want to jump on the Discord? Why not? I've seen you around a long time. I've talked to you in chat. 
I don't think we've ever been on each other's show before, so why don't you jump on? Let me know. Tell me in the chat and I'll put on the Discord and you can jump in. Have your say. Why not? I'll stick around for a, a little bit more and then I'll probably get the fuck out of here. We do have to do the drag queens. I've got um, an Australian Cartnarks, incidentally. We haven't done Cartnarks for so fucking long. I've got this. I've got some COVID stuff. I've got this, the congressional candidate who's put out a sex tape. I mean, there's so much going on in so little fucking time. What are we going to do? We are all gay. That's very concise, easy to the point. Saturdays are all right with me. All right, let's get back to this. Some people in the comments of my first video tried arguing that Holy all Winning TV, dropping a guinea on us, ladies and gentlemen. In absence of Thanos, can't we just take the one-week Raider and MT2024? That's a good thing. Just go out in style. Just fuck it off. Just just get rid of the whole shit show right now, as soon as possible. End it. Well, you know, now... Well, see, this is the problem, see? See, winning TV. Phil D'Angelo, by the way, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, This is the problem now. As a father... Well, as a father, I can't be pro nuclear war anymore. I mean, I want her to I want her to live long enough, like I said in the intro. I want her to live long enough to be able to be kicked off a high school sports team in place of a transgender athlete. I want to see that happen. Right? Now, that's not going to happen if we all blow each other up with nuclear weapons this fast, is it? We can't have that. Can't have that. You know, as a father, Let's talk about the trendiness of flat stomachs again. I think a really important question to ask is why do we view flat stomachs as attractive? Some people in the comments of my first video tried arguing that our obsession with flat stomachs is biological. Did she she just really put biological in inverted commas? Like it's not a real thing? (laughs) So you've heard of this, all of this (laughs) quote unquote biology. No wonder they're fucking confused, hey? They don't think biology exists. <laughs> <laughs> biology. Something they call biology. Those anti-science fucking bigots. <laughs> Gypsy, flat stomach is not a trend. <laughs> it really isn't, is it? <laughs> God, don't you love them? Look, man, once upon a time, this kind of shit used to make me angry. And it made me angry because I, I would I would feel like I was a failure if I couldn't um, get somebody to understand why their opinion was dog shit, you know? <laughs> I'd be like, oh, I'm not explaining this well enough. You are retarded. And, it, it, you know, it went as productively as you can probably best imagine which is to say not productive at all (laughs) yeah and then eventually you get to the stage where you're like i don't even care what you believe in anymore (laughs) people with a people with like very strong held views i have very strong held views i just don't tell you about it (laughs) you know i don't i don't care if you i don't care if you agree with me or not i'm now at that age it's a beautiful place to be 
I mean, you know, fist pump in the chat for late 30s. <laughs> very late. And, I'm, and I mean very late. I'm a couple of months away from not being able to say late 30s anymore. Fucking very late 30s. About as late as it fucking gets 30s. That's where I'm at. Jesus. Wife says to me the other day, what do you want to do for your 40th birthday? And I said, nothing. <laughs> nothing. She's like, what do you mean? Like She's like, it's your 40th. And I'm like, it's just another day. <laughs> I just want to stay home and, you know, cook. I'll cook some food because I like cooking. And then I'll play stupid video games all day. I'll drink and play video games. <laughs> Happy 40th. Why? Because I legitimately don't care. That sounds like a fun day to me. Just relaxing, kicking back at home with the fam, you know. Hang out with the kid a bit. It's a good day. Happy 40th. Because it's really now it's as a father. It's not about my birthdays anymore. It's more about hers. I just need to tick off my birthdays to be to be stuck around long enough to make sure that, you know, she doesn't end up a, a fruitcake or a psychopath or something. Weeks away from 40, Lou Ferrigno. Welcome to the fucking club, my man. Yep, I'm counting down. Yeah, you, first you count down years, then you count down weeks, then you count down days. <laughs> but honestly, I don't care. I'm looking forward to being an old guy because then I can say whatever I want and say racist things. Genuinely. Hand on heart, I'm looking forward to being able to stand in a deli. Yeah, well, this all started when you fuckers started coming here. And they all go, oh, leave him alone. He's an old man. He doesn't, he doesn't know any better. Thank God. All right. What are we dealing with here? I don't know. Fat phobia or some shit. Some shit that you kids are coming up with these days. <laughs> I tell you, back in my day, we didn't have any kind of fat phobia. Back in my day, fat phobia meant waking up next to a fucking fat girl. Well, you don't remember the night before. Everybody had a fear of doing that. That was fat phobia. Ask is why do we view? But again, fat girls, best fucks. Flat stomachs is attractive. Some people in the comments of my first video tried arguing that our obsession with flat stomachs is biological because they're more attractive. Yeah. When well, in reality, the actual reasons are a combination yep. of fat phobia, Christianity. Christianity. <laughs> Christianity is to blow. Why not? Throw lump Jesus in there too. And he said unto them, <laughs> and on the seventh, on the sixth day, he said unto them, I like big butts and thine cannot lie. Fucking Christianity. And Jesus said unto the pilgrims, y'all, y'all have thine junk in thine trunk. And thou shalt not be routed this evening. Fucking hell. Christianity is to blame. Christianity is to blame for men not trying to have more sex with chubby girls. Okay. I like where this is headed. <laughs> Lou Ferrigno, it's the 11th commandment. <laughs> thou shalt not fuck a pauper. <laughs> Like I said on the starting block last night with Green Oat last night, Friday night, pardon me, uh, Friday morning your time. If you didn't listen to it, you can always check it out at the starting block on Word Drop the KVN. Um, 
again, my first reaction isn't like, oh, what an idiot or what a retard. That's obvious, <laughs> you know. I don't, I, my first reaction is like, it's always, how did you get there? How did you get to that? Tell me. I, it's like, remember when the maths teacher used to say, okay, now show me you're working out. Show me how you got the answer. Oh, well, I subtracted the 10 and then I carried the one. And then I divided it by the, you know, the properties of the thing. And then I uh, times it by two because that's the, you know, the magnifier and whatever. Okay. Show me how you got to, show me how you came up with that answer. Good, good. I always feel like doing this to them, to people like this. Show me how you came to this conclusion. How did you end up here? Because there's a great quote. You can't reason somebody out of an opinion that they haven't reasoned themselves into. So... You know, always remember that if you get the temptation to get into an argument on Twitter or something or on Facebook and you want to debate politics, save save yourself the time. Save yourself the time. And it doesn't matter what side of the spectrum you're on or what side of the spectrum your opponent is on. This rule applies to all. Save yourself the time. Ask yourself, how did they get to this conclusion? Where, like, let's take this example. The conclusion is men don't find men find women with flat stomachs attractive because of uh, because of capitalism and Christianity. Right? Now, if you can't imagine a reality where that makes sense, don't waste your time trying to argue the point with the person who just invented it. Yeah. You'll be so much happier, man. Trust me, I spent I spent years arguing online with people. It's not worth your time. You you are wasting your time. You're not convincing anyone. These people will have the same retarded opinions for the rest of their lives, and there's nothing you can do to change that. Why? Because they didn't reason. The opinion didn't come from a place of reason in the first place. They 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 think men are attracted to flat stomachs because of Christianity. What do you think you can convince them of that they can't convince themselves out of? Don't waste your time. Just enjoy the show. Enjoy the freak show that they're providing. The internet gives us a window into so many fucked up individuals with idiotic ideas, I barely know where to begin. Every day is like a lollipop ride on the fantasy tour. You know? Just enjoy it. Take your LSD and fucking kick back and relax and enjoy the show. These people are maniacs. The actual reasons are a combination of fat phobia, Christianity, colonialism, anti-blackness, classism, and capitalism. As a lot of us know, chubby stomachs were considered a symbol of beauty and wealth during the Renaissance. Yep. Do you know what else was okay during the Renaissance? Slavery. Do you know what is you know what else was okay during the Renaissance, my dim-witted friend? Women used to women used to baste their skin in toxic fucking powdered chemicals in order to look like geisha girls from Japan. They would put that much shit on their face that they all slowly developed cancer over years. That's what else was popular in the Renaissance. I mean, they used to use leeches to cure you of sickness in the Renaissance. They did a lot of fucked up things. Yeah? Well, if we look back to... Here we are again, overlapping slavery. Yet again. 
if we go back to the Renaissance. Capitalism. As a lot of us know, chubby stomachs are considered... I mean, here's... Okay, if you want to play this game, I can play this game all fucking day. Do you know why the ancient, like, Greek and... Uh, let's say, like, Mesopotamian, you know, region, you know, Black Sea kind of stuff, right? When you get around in those those kinds of areas, like ancient Bronze Age kind of areas, the statues have very small penises on them. Very small penises. When they did naked statues. You know why? Because they considered the, snor- the small penis to be a sign of, like, nobility and wealth. And the savages, the barbarians, they had the big penis. It was not something to be adored. It was not something to be chased. You didn't want a large penis. Oh, my God, that means you're an uncouth animal. (laughs) Right? Now, where's the report on that? All the small dick guys in the chat, you know what I'm talking about. You know what I mean. All the statues had small dicks because that's what the civilised people had. Small dicks. If you've got a big dick, well, you're a low-life, savage, fucking part-human animal creature. Can't have that. Barbarians, mate. A symbol of beauty and wealth during the Renaissance. But why did this change? White colonists started pushing the idea that black people were inherently fat because they lacked self-control, which highlighted the adoption of fat phobia as a means of perpetuating racism and trying to justify slavery. The slaves were fat. (laughs) Whatever she's on, man, fucking sign me up. Sign me up. I'm down. Give it to me, baby. (laughs) Fat phobia was a means of uh, perpetuating racism and trying to just trying to justify slavery. <laughs> Lou Ferrigno, well, she just showed her working out. <laughs> That's how she got there. That's how she got to the answer. God love her. God bless them. Don't you think? Round of applause for idiots on the internet. Honestly, you make my days brighter. I love this. I love these people. This is why I said if they didn't have to, if they didn't exist, we'd have to invent them. Because how can you live without people this stupid? How can you? Don't you think the world would be a terrible place if these people weren't running around volunteering this stuff? <laughs> Holy shit! So, so we got we we were bringing over morbidly obese slaves. <laughs> Phobia, slavery. Did this change? To White justify slavery. The idea that black people were so fat phobia exists in order to justify slavery. Fuck me. Fuck. <laughs> Inherently, I love it. I love it. Because they lack <laughs> self-control. Which I'd buy her a drink, wouldn't you? I'd buy her a drink just for the night, just once, just once. Just once. 
and then I'd be done. But yeah, I'd buy her a drink. Tell me more about your opinions. <laughs> I can't wait to know. Well, actually, did you know that fat phobia is fat phobia comes from um, the white people's insistence to justify slavery? I'd be like, your views, your views interest me, and I wish to subscribe to your newsletter. <laughs> white colonists started pushing the idea that black people were inherently fat because wow. they lacked self-control, which highlighted the adoption of fat phobia as a means of perpetuating racism and trying to justify slavery. As Sabrina Strings mentions, self-control and rationality were characteristics that were deemed integral to whiteness, mm -hmm. not to mention the idea of the Protestant. Self-control, this is moving so fast that you have to really take a moment here. And trying to justify slavery. As Sabrina Strings mentions, self-control and rationality were characteristics that were deemed integral to whiteness. Self-control. Oh. Yep. Yep. Yes. Yes. Do not adjust your monitor. This is what it says. <laughs> Self-control and rationality were characteristics that were deemed integral to whiteness. Self-control and rationality. Has any on a completely unrelated topic, has anyone seen that footage of the guy with the axe trying to um, chop down the McDonald's store? Did anyone see that? Well, the fast food place. Did you see that? Did you see that uh, video of the people who tore apart the fucking, what was it, like a taco joint in New York because they had to pay 20 cents for sauce? Did you see that? Tore the place apart. Basically a riot. Did you see that? Self-control and rationality were characteristics that d were deemed integral to whiteness. Interesting. Interesting. Theory. <laughs> Your views interest me and I wish to subscribe to your newsletter. They don't even know how base they are. <laughs> they don't understand. Oh, boy. Uh, oh, long story short, the Axeman in McDonald's was just re-arrested and let go without bail. Congratulations. <laughs> We can't be locking up known criminals. It's wrong. Oh, okay. Where should we go? I tell you what, I'll do. I'll do one more thing before we call it a night because I have been going already for an hour and a half. So there's so much here we're going to leave on the field tonight. I didn't even get to this story. This might have to wait. Have a look at this one. This one is entitled "I'm the father of a trans boy in Florida." Don't say gay is working as intended. <laughs> you know what? I'll, I'll just put this link in the chat for you so you don't miss out because this one is an absolute superstar, this, this article. Enjoy that, ladies and gentlemen. So we didn't even get to that. Uh, we've got this guy and this guy. We've got the congressional candidate with the sex tape. We've got that. Um, what else do we have? Our plates. All right. So what we'll do is I'll give you the option. You can either do drag kings or cartnarks. Now, the cartnarks is in Australia. It's one of the American cartnarks in Sydney, my home fucking town in Sydney. 
or you can do drag kings. So it would be option number one is drag kings. Option number two is cart narcs, and then we'll get the fuck out of here. But while you think of that, about that, I want to show you this. Uh, this is Rita Panahi, the Victorian police who recent, recently came out with a statement basically saying that they're the victims of the COVID lockdown laws because now nobody likes them anymore. Right? So the chief of police for the Victorians for the Victorians came out and said, well, you know, we've been bruised during this. We've been bruised during this whole ordeal of having to enforce these COVID laws. And it's, look, we need to recover from this, which, I mean, look, don't take this the wrong way. If you go back to 2020, 2019, if you were listening to this show, when COVID first started kicking off and when the over-policing first started happening, and I lost a lot of followers during that, a lot of Back the Blue people, you know, hated me for this. But we were showing things like the police, you know, tackling people on the street and dragging them off park benches and chasing kids out of playgrounds because of COVID, even though they were the only people there. Remember the dad that got arrested because he was at the park playing kickball with his, with his kid, right? Not allowed to be outside. And I said, look, you, they're enforcing the law. Okay, that's great. The problem is that you go to the government and they say, well, that's up to the police to enforce the law. And you go to the police and they say, well, it's up to the government to create the law. So you just get the runaround, right? But I said the only outcome of, of this is people are going to lose respect for the institution of policing. And that's exactly what fucking happened. It tracked exactly as predicted. Because you can't go around harassing old ladies on park benches and crash tackling dads in parks who are playing with their kids and locking up businesses and all of it. You can't go around doing that and then expect everybody to congratulate you at the end of it. Just that's not the way people work. It's not the way, that's not the, way the world works. So, you know, unfortunately, rightly or wrongly, justifiably or unjustifiably, that's the situation we're in. And it was entirely predictable because of the policing methods that were undertaken during the COVID lockdowns. Simple as that. So now the police are on, in, in Victoria anyway, what we call, I'm in New South Wales, which is the state above, I'm in a very conservative state. Victoria is a very left-wing state. Uh, so we call it the People's Democratic Republic of Victoria. Now their police department is going around on a PR blitz trying to say, hey, we're your friends again. We're your friends again. We're the good guys. Oh, funny that. Till the next pandemic, yeah? So this is Rita Panahi. She's a, an Iranian immigrant, which um, always upsets a lot of people because she's supposed to be a lefty. <laughs> because she's an immigrant from Iran. She's supposed to be a lefty. And this is her in uh, talking about the police department in her own state. You'll you'll like this if you've not seen. Uh, sometimes people play Chris. Is it Chris Smith or uh, there's another guy on Sky News? Sometimes people play him and say, "Oh, this is the Australian Tucker Carlson." I don't think that's true. I think if anyone's the Australian Tucker Carlson, it would be her, Rita Panahi. So have a look. Now to matters closer to home and Victoria Police is again trying to rebuild their image after enthusiastically serving as Dan Andrews' COVID enforcers for more than two years, where they terrorise pregnant women for Facebook posts, <laughs> harass little old ladies on park benches yeah. and shot scores of protesters with non-lethal rounds. Yeah. But now Vic Paul wants you to know they didn't enjoy all that overreach and excessive force. No, Victoria Police no. Chief Shane Patton no. says he is bruised, bruised <laughs> by the work his force had to do <laughs> during COVID lockdowns. You feel bruised, Commissioner? How do you think 
these Victorians feel. Have a look at this. To have endured the world's longest lockdown. Okay, they're shooting. They're now shooting. It's painful, but it is absolutely appropriate. Victoria and Ligon Streets for an enormous amount of... This is the thing. All of these things that you're about to see here, they all happened. We covered them. We covered them not only in Australia, but in other countries as well. And now what you're witnessing right now is all of the governments, again, in lock fucking step because they all copy each other. Again, we've talked about this on the show before too. All of the government... all. People say when something's happening in the UK or it's happening in Canada or it's happening in Australia or it's happening in New Zealand or it's happening in the USA, they go, oh, well, that's not really our concern. That's happening over there. But that's not the way government works in a globalised world, right? In a globalised world, all of these governments, even if they're on opposing sides of the ideological spectrum, they're all in fucking constant communication with each other. They're all watching each other. They're all copying each other. That's what globalism is. More or less. It's globally, you know, globalism. If if you had to describe globalism in one word, you would describe it as uniformity. Uniformity. The same trade laws, the same economic laws, the same cultural standards. We want to roll that out to everybody so we can create the global marketplace with the global currency, one world people, one world society, one world. We're all global citizens, right? Does it make sense? And so now it's become politically convenient because as we've watched all of the right-wing governments, at least in the Anglosphere, get wound back from 2015 and 2016 as though it never happened, they're, you know, the... You know, the Democrats of the world and Labor parties and the other people are now on the brink of their own kind of 2016 moment, yeah? And so they need to erase recent history. They need to pretend like this stuff never happened. What you're about to see here, we covered it. We know it happened. We watched it happen fucking live. The lockdowns and the arrests and the riot squads and the shooting of rubber bullets into protesters and the calling protests illegal. Arresting people who posted things on Facebook about COVID. Arresting them. Arresting them. We watched it happen. But now what they're going to do is they're going to revise and reimagine history. And none of that will have happened. And it's going to be, hey, everybody, you don't have to wear a mask when you get on a plane anymore. And we've created so many jobs. And, and you know what? Society will allow them to do that as well. They'll probably get away with it. They probably will. So all of these things you're about to see in this video, they did in fact happen. But we did in fact the watch them lost. happen. And we do in fact remember that they happened, but they're going to try and make you forget. This lockdown. Okay, they're shooting. They're now shooting. It's painful, but it is absolutely appropriate. Victoria and Ligon Streets, where an enormous amount of police are now gathering. It's the most important commitment for Victoria Police, forcing the Chief Health Officer guidelines. Now, a special mention has to be made. If you're wearing headphones, you'll probably pick this up already. I see Steph in the chat. Karen sent me flaccid. Good to see you, brother. Now, Steph is a uh, fellow muso, so he'll probably pick this up as well. Listen very carefully to the background song being used. It's a cover. It's like a... It's like a like a kind of 
doom emo version of I come from a land down under. Yeah, see, Jerome is like the music. <laughs> it's a it's a doom goth version of Land Down Under. He just smiled and gave me a Vegemite sandwich. <laughs> Enjoy. You feel Bruce, Commissioner? How do you think these Victorians feel? To have endured the She's world's longest lockdown. It is absolutely appropriate. Yeah, we're just at the intersection of Victoria and Ligon Streets. We're an enormous amount of police gathering. It's the most important commitment for Victoria Police. Trail head full of zombies. Hopefully flatten that. strange lady. Well, Victoria Police. She made me nervous. Steps they need to take. She took me in and gave me breakfast. They're not smart. They're not lawful. She said. I come from a land Trap. It's trap song. Bitters flowing in chunder. It's illegal. All of it can be avoided if people don't protest. Better take cover. Tackle those protesters to the ground, obviously. Look at that, yep. Full punch to the face. Good stuff. Choking this girl. That's good. Because she wasn't wearing a mask. Oh, now, now, now that one, that was, I remember that one. That's really bad. So this one here, I'll, I'll put it on the big screen. Watch this. Now, this if 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 the guy and look, I'm not an anti-cop guy. I'm not. Cops are people too, <laughs> you know. And everyone's a person, and everyone has their own shit that they're dealing with. And I get that. But uh, I, I'm most definitely anti-bad policing, as I think everybody should be. And so this guy is literally just standing here in this, I guess it's a train station or something. It looks like a train station. He's not even facing the police officer, right? And he's got, he's talking to a couple of police officers who are in front of him. And another one comes up behind him, grabs him by the neck and kind of slings him to the ground. And he hits his head on the fucking tiles first, like completely blindsided. Now, I just simply put it to you that if... The person who did that was not a police officer. They would go to prison. And they would. That That is illegal. You can't go up to somebody, grab them by the neck and throw them into the ground, especially when they're not paying attention. That would be called like a sucker punch. The, the, the judge would say you're a coward if you did that to somebody on the street. But because you've got this uniform, oh, it's okay. That's fine. And that can't be, that can't be okay. It can't. And I'm not a, a back-of-the-blue guy, and I'm definitely not, like, an anti-police guy. I know why the police exist, which is a reason that most people like to imagine is not true, but yet is, regardless. Because, um, amazingly, facts don't care about, you know, your feelings and whatnot. Sorry to bring up a 2015, but I feel like we're getting back to that. It's cyclical, these things. But this goes beyond 2015. The reason that pol- we've said it before on the show, the reason that the police exist is not to protect you from criminals. It's to protect the government from you. That's why they exist. Now, that doesn't mean that somebody who's, a, you know, a, a nine to five blue collar 
kind of police officer who wants to do the right thing and they want to catch the bad guys and they want to protect people and stuff. That's not to say that they're not doing that. They, they most probably are doing that. That they, they most probably do have that attitude, like I'm out there protecting my community and stuff. And that's more power to you. That's great. Good for you, man. But the reason that the institution of the police force exists when it first came to fruition centuries ago was to protect the government from you, the protester, from you, the citizen. That they are they're not protecting it's not the protect force, okay? The protect force. If it was about protecting you, it would be called the protect force, but it's not. Why? Because they're not protecting you. They're policing you. They are keeping you in line. They are keeping you in check. They are protecting the government from you. That's why it's the police force and not the protect force. When they say protect, yes, protect and serve. When they say protect and serve, who are they protecting and who are they serving? Well, generally you serve who's paying you, don't you? And who pays them? (laughs) It ain't you. You're not paying for your own private uh, security force, are you? That's who you serve. The one who writes the fucking check. That's who you serve. And that's the government. You protect the government. You serve the government. You enforce the government's laws to police the people. That's the that's the relationship. Now, within your role, you might think, well, I'm going to be a good guy and I'm going to catch criminals. I'm going to protect my community. And again, more power fucking to you. Don't misunderstand. Don't conflate the two um, idioms here. But putting that to one side, the police most definitely exist to protect the government from you, the citizen. That's why they are there. <laughs> To police you, to keep you in check, to keep you behind the yellow tape, to keep you outside the line, to keep you in the lane. Not to protect you from shit. It's illegal. All of it can be avoided if people don't protest. Better take cover. Now that kid, is there anything so special as a kid getting pepper sprayed? Listen to that scream, man. Here we go. (laughs) One more time for the kid who got pepper sprayed. Okay. (laughs) Because we're protecting and serving. Good stuff. He was a hero last year. Six foot four, full of muscles. I said to you, speak in my language. Just smiled and gave me a Vegemite sandwich. He said, I come from a land down under. 
Compilation courtesy of Milk Bar TV, and there's plenty more. Milk Bar TV. To be honest, can who who can say who can put their hand up and say that they believe that one day corporate mainstream media would now be quoting social media ten me, ten years later, you know? And so now that now the corporate media are actually using like anonymous Twitter accounts as fucking sources, which is beautiful. It really is. The internet now rules the world. And for all of those, and for all of us who played some small role in that, we should be congratulating ourselves. <laughs> Don't worry about what the media is doing; they're now doing what we do. <laughs> We're calling the shots here, here on the internet. All right, now let's get to our final segment here. Now, what did we decide on? Can anybody is are any of you honest at all in the chat? I'm not sure you are. <laughs> Otherwise, you wouldn't be here. But did we decide on whether we're doing the Cartnarks or the Drag Kings? Okay, so press one in the chat for the Drag Kings. Press two in the chat for the Cartnarks. Which one do you want? And then we'll get the fuck out of here. And I'll enjoy the rest of my Sunday. You can enjoy the rest of your Saturday night, late as it is. Give me a couple of minutes to think about it. One in the chat for the Drag Kings, two in the chat for the Cartnarks. Which one's it going to be? Oh, I love this jam, man. This bit here, this bit. It's looking like the ones. I do think the ones probably have it. Terry Nate. Terry Nate. Terry Nate. Mersh ends with Cartnarks. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, man. Does he do that every night now? Mersh? <laughs> this is very unfair, Terry, but you might not have been here. But I said on this show like fucking ages ago, I said, look. Because I, I did, I, I was doing Cartnarks for a while, <laughs> right? And then somebody said, oh, Nurse is doing Cartnarks now. And I'm like, well, Nurse can do whatever the fuck he wants. I don't care. But what we're all going to be waiting for is the first person who comes in and says, you're stealing. I know you didn't do this, but it was very close, <laughs> which I, makes me sad, actually. I wish you had have done it. But we were waiting for the first person to come in and say that you're stealing Mersh's idea, which was, it was so close. It was so close. Oh, Terry, I'm Ernie Banks. Oh, that's Ernie Banks. So Ernie knows. Ernie knows that we've been doing Karnak. So now you're just a son of a bitch. <laughs> oh, man, I love my Karnak. I love me some Karnaks. It's a great little... Uh, our our whole... Our, I think from memory, like... Because our whole constitution here in the kingdom of Boogistan is built on cart therapy, uh, cart theory, you know, returning your cart makes a good fucking citizen. 
that's 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 the cornerstone of our nation here in the kingdom of Bugistan. Toy Day. We do hold the licensing, in fact. <laughs> that's very true. You know, Royce always starts with Drag Kings. Does he really? I don't know. I haven't been watching stuff, man. I see because of the time difference, right? I used to see a lot more of ROTC and uh, JJ. I miss JJ. I haven't seen JJ for so long, his show. Um, because I was working nights, so I'd get home at like two in the morning, which was about the time that JJ started. And I'd stay up until, you know, kind of eight or nine in the morning, which is about the time that ROTC finished. So I was always watching all the all the shows. But um, for the last year, I've just not been on deck because now I'm working like a regular day job for the first time in my fucking life <laughs> and I've got a kid <laughs> coincidence I think not <laughs> right so I just can't be around now for Daywave and I used to watch Daywave well I didn't well I listened to it I listened to Daywave um, while I was driving around in a garbage truck at two in the morning or whatever it was midnight driving around in a garbage truck I put Daywave on in the background so you know but I haven't been able to do that for like a year because of the new work, sleep, life situation. I've, I'm now asleep when you're doing your stuff. So I don't know what's going on anymore. Still love Pessy, still love Major Tom, still love JJ, still love The Mercenator, still love Daywave. Still love, uh, Rav, Rav, uh, Frozen <laughs> Still love Frozo. Still love Frozo. But I just don't, I don't get to see them anymore because of the, the time difference, you know? All right, so I think we're doing the Drag Kings. So let's have a look. Now, this video is Drag Kings Explained by Drag Kings. Okay. I tell you, there's, there's nothing on the internet that's left, though, now, is there? So I can't, I can't do Kartnarks anymore because Mersh is doing it. I can't do the Drag Kings because Royce is doing it. Is there anything left? <laughs> what else is there? Hey, <laughs> eh? Can you give me something? You know, all right, let's do this then. What else have you got? <laughs> what else have you got then? Daywave is now JJ, Pessy, Frozen, and Virgie all hosting. It's a shit ton more fun than just the ham. So what? Royce doesn't... Wait, okay, now we need to catch up on things. So what? Royce isn't even hosting Daywave anymore? <laughs> really? <laughs> Who said that? Steph? Daywave is now JJ, Pessy, Frozen, and Virgie all hosting. It's a shit ton more fun than just the ham-hating Cuban. There you go. So Royce doesn't host Daywave anymore. Who knew? That's incredible. <laughs> I had no idea that that was the case. Surely not. <laughs> what? So Daywave continues without Royce, does it? Or is he just more like a passenger now on his own show? No, he's there. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, the way... Hang on, what are you laughing at me for? The way you worded it was, oh, look, it's being hosted by JJ and Pessy now. Really? Who knew? Books, don't ever try, uh, don't ever trust the guy who tells you he has. Oh my God, the chat 
tells you who has uh, he has a small PP on the internet. Oh, okay. Who has a small PP? Terry thought Royce was Mexican. No, he's definitely Pakistani. JJ knows Face and Virgie and Pessy at the Peanut Gallery. Royce love love Ropez. Love Ropez is that his name now? Love Ropez. <laughs> Rav. All right. Uh, oh, man, I'm so tempted to do the carton arcs because it's, it's Sydney. People voted for the Drag Kings. Let's have a look. Let's have a look. My name is Moby Dick. That B stands for bodacious. I'm Max Pleasure. Ziggy Moonlight. Johnny Gentleman. Korean bodega. Dun, 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 dun. I am completely convinced that 200 years from now, when people start analysing the music of our generation, they will consider the fun-loving criminals to be the pinnacle of music. I, th- that is my opinion, and I promise you that is a real opinion. I definitely mean that. If you don't know who the, cr- uh, the fun-loving criminals are. Absolutely all the end. It is nice. Mama is really proud. No, 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 no. Come on, just give me a few seconds. Okay. Here we go. Ian Bodega. Lonely chef in the chat. Daywave turned into the retarded version of Good Morning America. I thought Good Morning America was the retarded version of Good Morning America. (laughs) Fantastic stuff. All right. All right. Now let's rate our drag kings here. Look, I've been to Thailand, man. I can tell you Royce is Persian. Very good point in the chat. He could be Persian, which is, um, you know, very close to modern day Pakistan. Pakistan, um, you know, but Persia hasn't existed for hundreds of years, so I think it's more likely that he's Pakistani, maybe with a little Persian influence, maybe with a little bit of Nabataean in him. <coughs> uh, pardon me. So, where were we? That's right, we're watching the drag kings now. Let's rate our drag queen, uh, drag kings. I've been to Thailand. I have seen lady boys. I've seen good lady boys and bad lady boys. Right. I remember two different occasions. Once I was talking to a girl who was not a girl and I didn't realize nothing happened, obviously, you know, we were there with friends and stuff, but I was like, oh, holy shit, you're a guy. You know, <laughs> It's like, you, you look like you're a really good looking girl. I've got to admit you, you really pulled that fucking spectacle off. Congratulations. Cause if anyone puts the effort in, I feel like they deserve a pat on the back, you know? And then I met another lady boy at um, like a restaurant and this lady boy had a fucking beard, <laughs> like a full grown beard, you know, but I got free drinks because I called him her. See, this is what I try to pass on here on this show. A little bit of wisdom, a little bit of knowledge. If you're confronted with a trans waiter who is obviously trying to portray that they are a woman then refer to them as she and her and you'll probably get better service. <laughs> I don't care what, I don't care about the political aspect of it. I'll just, you know what, man? Good, hey, 
nice to meet you, girl. I called him girl, and he was like, oh, I love you, honey. Gave me a big hug, this guy. <laughs> At this Thai fucking restaurant. I'm like, yeah, whatever, whatever, bro. I got free drinks because I was like, no, no, listen to her. It's nice to meet you, girl, you know? And he was like, oh, thank you, honey. He was so happy that someone referred to him as a girl. All the while, I'm thinking, well, you should probably shave your beard if you want to try and pull off this illusion to any great extent. But, you know, all right, girl. Hey, okay. Free drinks the rest of the night. It works. The system works. Moby Dick. That B stands for bodacious. I'm Max Pleasure. Bodacious. Johnny Gentleman. King Molasses. Also known as the sweetest and stickiest track king. Okay, now. All right. King Molasses. <laughs> okay. Now, I am already a fan of King Molasses because... Look. Look, let me put this up on the screen for you. I'm going to, I'm going to give King Molasses one of these. And go, you know what? By the way King Molasses is talking and looking, now, here King Molasses does kind of look like somebody who's wearing a beard, um, you know, prosthetic, so to speak, a fake beard. That that beard looks obviously fake because it's hard to replicate, fa you know, it's hard to replicate facial hair naturally, obviously, <laughs> right? You, you can stick hair on your face, but that doesn't mean it came from your face. It's very hard to do because you don't have stubble and that two-day growth kind of look that guys get. But I appreciate the effort. But King Molasses has actually gone out of his way. Now, see, this one here speaks like a woman, and I can't have that. That's a woman wearing a mustache and a goatee. You can tell by the voice. But King Molasses is actually trying to talk. King Molasses is... <laughs> <laughs> we was kings and shit. A sticky wicket. <laughs> now, King Molasses, on the other hand, is actually trying to speak in a male cadence. And I appreciate the effort, don't you? Because we don't talk like girls, do we, guys? <laughs> There's a lot of commas in that sentence. Guys, we don't talk like girls, comma, do we? Guys, question mark. Right. So King Molasses is actually trying to replicate the male cadence, which I do appreciate. If you're if you speak like a girl and just wear like a fake beard, then it's not it's not like you really believe in it, man. You've got to try and imitate the guy. You've got to pretend to be a man. You've got to really believe you are one. Which creates a whole new set of problems. This also known as the sweetest and stickiest drag king you'll okay. ever meet. The sweetest and stickiest drag king. Drag kings perform. I remember being like, "Why hasn't nobody told me about this?" I can, I can kind of believe that King Molasses could be a guy. Honest, hand on heart, because King Molasses has done the work. King Molasses knows how guys talk. Look, look again. I remember being like, "Why hasn't nobody told me about this?" I was completely mesmerized. Okay, now. King Molasses does talk a little bit like a gay guy, let's be honest. Okay, I will give you that, but it is a guy nonetheless. <laughs> King Molasses. King Molasses. 
this, also known as the sweetest and stickiest drag sweetest. king you'll ever meet. When I first saw drag kings perform, I remember being like, why hasn't nobody... Okay, here's a question for you. Now, we all know about Drag Time Story Hour, and the issue with Drag Time Story Hour is there's guys dressed as women who are more often than not waving their genitals in front of children. Right? Now, I put it to you, would you have the same objection if it was a vagina? <laughs> <laughs> right? Do you see where I'm going with this? Do you, Wait, do you see where this is going to end up? Because it's going to be like, oh, so you've got a problem with drag queens? No problem. He's a drag king. Guys love tits. <laughs> now we're going to have drag king story hour. And, in, and, in, and, and the beautiful part about drag king story hour is they're actually going to be showcasing a, a you know, a pantomime version of toxic masculinity. You know, toxic masculinity that you've heard so much about and how evil it is. Well, now the only people who, the only people who are allowed to display it are women dressed as men. Twenty twenty two. Look, the only people who are allowed to be men are women dressed as men. We call them drag kings. <laughs> If there was an actual black guy called Sweet Molasses or whatever the fuck this dude's name is, they would be bad. They would be cancelled. How dare you? That's a racist stereotype. Oh, this is fantastic. Yes, exactly. Only women can be masculine. <laughs> like I said last week, let's make Barbies where the Barbie has a penis and the Ken has a vagina and hand them out to the kids and say, good luck. You figure it out. You figure it out. We don't know. We don't know what... We don't know who is who. So your guess is as good as mine. Good luck, kids. What a world they'll be inheriting 20 years from now. You know, I say this as a father. As a father. You know, as a father. We got to get through this. Come on, we are twenty seconds into the Drag Kings. They told me about this. I was completely mesmerized, wondering why have I not done this before. I got hooked. <coughs> Just being on that stage and having the light. Why have I done? Why have I not done this before? Because there hasn't been a market for it. Hit me, and I feel like I'm finally me. I feel the fullness of myself when I'm in drag. Without the penis. Now, this one here looks to be going for some kind of Russell Brand recreation. I'm Not the drag. black one. As drag kings, we're stepping out of the box of who we were told. Okay, now this is a terrible drag king. I'm sorry. Now, I respect Sticky Molasses here. Because Sticky Molasses does look like a dude, okay? I will give it to Molasses. You you pull it off, man. Good, good for you. King Molasses. We was kings and shit. But this one... Max Pleasure. No, 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 no. This looks like a Michael Jackson recreation. This It looks like she's taken Michael Jackson's motif from 1986 and tried to reinvent it. Look at that. Look at that. You are not fooling anybody with that. Like, she hasn't even got the real fake beard. She's got the fake fake beard, which is the pencil drawn on the face. 
the real fake beard would be a real fake beard. <laughs> People in the chat now wanting two, the cart knocks. <laughs> <laughs> We're allowed to be. And people think it's only new now, but it's not new. I think the history of drag kings has been very much obscured. Uh, it hasn't always been the way that... The history of drag kings has been very much obscured. No, 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 no. Can we just, can we iron this out, please? Look, as, as someone who is a big fan of, like, I love... Um, learning about history and human history and civ especially like ancient civilizations and stuff. I really, that's a big thing for me. I really love that stuff. Um, history has not neglected the plight of the drag king. Okay. The drag kings has been very much obscured. It hasn't no, always. No, no, no. The history of drag kings has not been obscured. <laughs> that's, that's not necessarily how it works. No, no, no. Say. The reason that we don't teach drag king history is because historically it's inconsequential. It's irrelevant. That's why. And I'm sorry to be the one to tell you that. No, no, no. In your in your opinion, from your perspective, you say that drag king history has been ignored. From everyone else's perspective, they say there is no drag king history because who gives a fuck? Right? That's the way it works. That's the way history works. What's that famous line from the um, the butchered retelling of the story of Troy that when they made a movie out of it and Brad Pitt plays Hercules and the kid says, oh, the, the man that you're fighting is a big man. I would not want to fight him. And he turns to him and says, that's why no one will remember your name. <laughs> There's, there's wisdom in that. No, no. Society has not been ignoring drag king history. Society does not care about drag king history. There's a difference. It's not oppression. It's a conscious... It's a conscious effort to not give a fuck about you. That's what it... That's the difference. Okay? Now that you know that, now you can place yourself in the social hierarchy of history. And you can say, wow... Even though I really believe in this thing, nobody else does, so it doesn't really matter what I do. Now you're catching on. Welcome. Welcome to libertarianism. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> like idiots. Been the way that we understand it today. Yeah. But it's always been there. It's always been there. Drag is just the performance. Now, this is King Molasses, and I've, like I said, I'm a fan of King Molasses because I feel like King Molasses actually is looking like a Mr. T motherfucker. Of gender, the performance. Now, I, I'm actually very interested to see what King Molasses looks like as a woman because that would be the more interesting thing now, the big reveal. The absence, the transformation of gender. The majority yep. of drag kings are AFAB performers. AFAB. All of these. ACAB? ACAB. ACAB. <laughs> All feds are bastards, AFAB. I'm an AFAB performer. Maybe I can become the official podcast of the Drag Kings. Who knows? If I support it hard enough. Assigned female at birth. I do, however, know that there are AMAB performers who... Okay, also so AFAB, <laughs> contrary to my initial thought, I thought AFAB meant all feds are bastards. <laughs> okay, I was wrong. I was uh, embarrassingly so. 
It turns out that I was wrong. It actually means a female at birth, which is very disappointing. Because all feds are bastards seems far more appropriate for this setting than a female at birth. But yet here we are. Performers assigned female at birth. I do, however, know that there are female performers who also perform drag kings and also lots of trans performers. It does. It does. So now, now it does get very complicated at this point because we're talking about assigned gender at birth and then also being a drag performer. What drag? What drag category does a trans drag queen fit into? Question in the chat. I want you to think about this. I want real answers only. Okay, here's an example. If you are a transgender man, are you a drag king or a drag queen if you perform in drag? Okay, so your assigned gender is not your real gender, quote unquote, to what you you believe. So your gender would be the gender that you believe it to be. And then you cross-dress, which would be your birth gender. You cross-dress as your birth gender, but you are actually... Uh, you see what I'm getting at here? <laughs> I want to see transgender drag queens. <laughs> Don't you? Don't you want to see that? Okay, so if you're a transgender guy, that means you were born biologically female. Okay. But you're a transgender man, so you are a cis. You are a born female, now transgender male. However, if you were a drag queen at that point, you would be pretending to be a female, which would then be reverting back to your birth gender. Do you see what I'm getting at here? <laughs> can can you see the rivers of chaos that we can create with this simple, slight little tweak to their ideology? We, all we need to do is agree and say, yes, okay, drag, drag kings exist, drag queens exist, it's all good, transgender people exist, all the genders exist. Now talk to me. What happens if a transgender man wants to be a drag queen? <laughs> what happens then? And watch their little heads explode. Because you're now just representing your assigned gender, which is, of course, bigotry, as we all know. You're a transgender man. You were born a female. You're now a transgender male, and you want to be a drag queen, which means a guy dressing up as a woman. But if you're dressing up as a woman, you're only stereotypically portraying the gender that you were assigned in the first place, which is why you are trans now. (laughs) We can actually... We can actually backdoor all of the transgender people in society to go back to their assigned birth as long as we get them to adopt pro-drag values. Think about it. If we if we can get every transgender woman on earth to be pro-drag queen, then they would eventually become a man again. <laughs> they would just pretend to be one, dress up like one. So we'll get the we'll get the we'll get the transgender women to be here we go. We've just solved uh, we've solved one of society's problems. So, okay, so society has this problem with transgender people. Okay. And 
society needs to fix this problem. So what we're going to do is we're going to get the transgender women who are actually the born, they were born male and now they identify as female. But we're going to get the transgender women to embrace being drag kings. Okay. So, so now the transgender women who are actually men are embracing being drag kings, which is which means they dress up as men and pretend to be men. So we've just we've just detrans them. <laughs> we've untrans them. <laughs> Isn't that perfect? Everything is wrapped up in a neat little package. We've detrans the transgenders. Just like that. By embracing drag. <laughs> There's no problem anymore because every there's no problem anymore because everyone who's trans is pro drag, which means they're actually going to pretend to be the the gender that they were assigned at birth. So we're back to square one again. Now what we need to do is get the transgender people who are pro drag to embrace the gender that they were assigned at birth and then be dragged to that, which would then take them back to the original premise, which was being the opposite gender of that they were assigned at birth. gets complicated after level one, doesn't it? The boss the boss of this game is going to be incredibly tough to beat. I am I was born a female, I'm now a transgender man, yet I embrace being a drag queen, which means I dress up as a female, which was my birth assigned gender, and I now have to be a drag king because I'm actually a drag queen because I was uh, I identify as a man because I was born a woman, so now I'm going to be a drag king and I dress like a man every day anyway, so it's really easy. I don't know. You try to figure it out. <laughs> you try to figure it out. All right. I think we'll leave it there. It's been a hell of a night. Thank you for joining us. Don't forget to follow our friends. You know where to find them. Until next time. You know what? I'll probably do Saturday nights from now on. Your time. Instead of... Uh, Friday nights because Friday night's a bit of a bitch I'm up late on Friday night my time with the starting block right the show always goes way too long because Greeno always sends far too much shit to the rundown and we can never get through it so rather than like stay up late on Friday night my time then get up early on Saturday morning my time to do a stream I think I might just do Saturday nights now I don't know. Is everyone cool with that? Or it's up to you. I'm really only doing this because I find it fun and for the handful of you who also find it fun. So it's really up to you. Like whenever you, whenever you're free, I'll, I'll, I'll book a show then. <laughs> you know, I really don't have anything else going on. I'm not doing this for a living, unfortunately. So, you know, it's like, well, Sunday works for me. How about you? Does that work for you? If you want to hang out on Saturday nights instead. Saturday works for me. Okay. In the chat. I miss this show very much. Well, that's very kind of you to say. You're the only one. (laughs) (laughs) You're the only one. Trust me. Okay. If you stream it, we will come. Thank you, Seth. All right. Well, maybe we'll do um, Saturday nights then from now on. How about that? Okay. Sounds good. 
and it is good because I can just relax and wake up whenever I want and you know just fire it up just go for it we started today at like 11 o'clock in the morning my time so quarter to 11 or whatever it was it was a very nice and casual and um, comfy it was a comfy stream today a very comfy stream so thank you for joining us um, it was good to, it was good to see Mersh in the chat earlier way back at the start of the show but um, you know go follow Mersh what's Mersh doing these days I, I again I haven't seen any I, I haven't really listened to anything for like the last at least the last six months every now and then I'll like I'll go back and try and catch like an ROTC podcast or something um, but it's I just I'm not awake or available when they're doing their show anymore so I can't really watch it like I used to you know but I do try and listen to podcasts here and there so what's Mersh doing I know he was in a lot of shit <laughs> he was in a lot of shit with it was getting out of control all the um, the backbiting stuff uh, on the internet because there's a lot of idiots on the internet so uh, and he's got his fair share of enemies doesn't he Mersh which I I've always found humorous like he really just he really does piss people off a lot <laughs> and he never has like I, I reckon I've spoken to Mersh twice twice and we were playing Rust at the time once was playing Rust and once was on Pessy's stream I think and he's just always been nice and courteous we've um, you know chatted in uh, DM but not not to any great extent just like you know general kind of um, you know how you going kind of chit chat but nothing serious and he's always been nice enough you know <laughs> I don't know I don't I don't understand I, th I, I feel like people um, either I think people take him far too literally and part of his whole um, you know part of his whole thing is like well I don't give a fuck you know so you just have to take it or leave it and don't be such a bitch about it but gonna shoot from the hip and say dumb things but it's it's a pretty relaxed vibe that he has you know have a few drinks shoot from the hip i mean that's what everyone's doing on the internet so I, I really don't get the outrage that he causes but good luck to him i hope he's doing well frozen eight mersh's cat well that's a given frozo is a very uh, lovely young man i love i love frozo Frozo's always nice and um, he's a good guy, Frozo. Frozo, very, Frozo, good man. Very good man. Pessy as well. Pessy's a good guy. Very good guy. Major Tom, we love, of course. Winning DV, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Rusty's in the chat. Rusty's a good guy. Reached out while I was away, having the kid. Said, how you going? Everything good? And I'm like, yeah, Rusty, everything's good, bro. An Iceman double four double three, good guy. Another one, another one of the good guys we've collected along the way here on our time here on the internet. Steph is a good guy. He's a good guy. Big mouth, but a good guy. <laughs> All right, let's get the fuck out of here. So follow our friends. You know who they are. Till next time, ladies and gentlemen. Stay calm. Oh, there's Ben. There's Ben. Hello, Ben. Hello. Right at the end of the fucking show.
Ben shows up right at the end. Yep. Because that's what he does. Shows up right at the end. Sorry, man, you're going to have to go back and watch the replay. I can't do it again. I can't. I can't. All right. We're out of here. Enjoy your Saturday slash Sunday. I'm going to enjoy the rest of my Sunday. Till next time, guys, stay calm, stay rational. God bless. See you soon. Bye-bye.